Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome into the Hang Time Podcast. A.Q. Smith here in Atlanta. My main man, John Schumann, is in New Jersey. The NBA playoffs shoot, it's here. It's upon us. And we're going to take a look at all of the first round series on the East and Western Conference sides of the conference divide. It took us forever to get our matchups locked in all the way down to the last games played in the Western Conference. But we have them. And let's start out with the West U right away with the defending champion Warriors in the 1-8 matchup against the Clippers. Any possibility at all? of the Golden State Warriors getting some trouble from the Clippers in this series, John? Probably not. The fact that the Warriors sort of turned it up defensively in the sort of last couple months of the season convinces me that they're sort of ready for this postseason a little bit more maybe than they were last year. Um, And last year they had the number one defense in in the postseason after ranking 11th in the regular season. They're... Starting lineup with DeMarcus Cousins was the best defensive lineup after the All-Star break. That tells me that, you know, they figured some things out on that end of the floor. And I, I mean, I, I I hesitate to give the Clippers a game. I think this is maybe the series other than Milwaukee, Detroit in the in the East that that uh is most likely a sweep. Just because the, the Warriors are too good. I mean, and they're healthy. I mean, they're healthy, I think. I mean, right. there's a, a little bit of a scare with Steph Curry. In their second to last game, I think it was. But if they're healthy um, and if they're uh, a little bit more focused defensively than they were for most of the regular season, then I think they should be locked in. I think, and you know what? I keep coming back. Like, I I keep thinking about it. I think a a perfect postseason should be like that's something that they missed out on a couple Mm -hmm. of years ago. You think that drives them this time around trying to be? I don't know. I think they could, I think they, it's possible. I, I, I it, it would be tough, especially uh, running into Houston, but it, it shouldn't, they shouldn't like uh, uh, dismiss it. And I think they should feel the, the need to take care of business in the first round, especially, especially with Houston looming possibly in the second round and keep their foot on the gas. Game one of that one, eight matchup between the Warriors and Clippers Saturday night at eight Eastern ABC. And shoot, we're going to run through all of the series, as I mentioned, but be sure to check out, Playoff previews on NBA.com for all of these series. You can find all the content you need on NBA.com. Each and every series, the details you need, and predictions um, for each and every one of them. The 2-7 in the West Shoe. Game 1 Saturday at 10.30 Eastern on ESPN. The Nuggets and Spurs. Nuggets had to sweat out that two-seed. And now (laughs) you get to me, which is potentially the most difficult draw in that I don't like the idea of Greg Popovich having – all this time to figure out ways to frustrate a Denver team that really does not have the kind of playoff experience that you would hope for in a matchup against a team like the Spurs. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, these are the two teams that had the biggest home road differential as far as um, point differential per 100 possessions. Basically, Denver had the biggest. San Antonio had the second biggest. The Spurs were, uh, I think I've mentioned this before, 1-11 
on the road against the other West playoff teams. Um, and the one win was over the Clippers. And so, you know, the home team won all the games in the regular season series between these two teams, although three of the games are close. I don't know. I, I, I'd be interested. I mean, I'm a little bit fascinated by the Spurs defense. This is like the first year in, since they drafted Tim Duncan where they had a below average defense and it was downright awful in the, on the road. But like you said, like Popovich has got now, uh, he can focus on one team full, full time. And if you ever talk to him during the regular season, and if you ask him during the regular season about the opponent, he basically tells you, I don't know about the opponent because we just focus on ourselves during the regular season. He's not a team. He's not a, uh, they're not a team that uh, worries too much about, the scouting report, I think, during the regular season. I think in the postseason, he can finally um, focus on the opponent and and determine uh, the best way. Uh, you know what he needs to what they need to take away from Denver uh, on the defensive end of the floor. So maybe they will be an improved defensive team in the postseason. You know, given the the focus on on one single opponent, I'd be curious to see that. What about Jokic? And, you know, this being his first opportunity to really shine in the playoff setting, do you think he's prepared for the pressures that come with being a player of his status in the postseason? That's, not, that's a great question. You know, you've seen signs of frustration from him, especially uh, late in the season. And so obviously with in the postseason where, you know, there's a little bit extra emphasis on every single possession, every single uh foul or non-foul call yeah it'll be interesting to see how he how he deals with it he's a he's a dude that can get frustrated but like he's still a matchup nightmare i think for san antonio they don't have you know the big men defenders that can deal with him you know if you look at their their front line it's lamarcus aldridge it's davis bertans right Pirtle maybe you know i'd be curious to see if Pirtle you know gets some playing time against Jokic uh in this series that might be an interesting matchup and you know at the same time a lot will depend on on denver's guards you know they can be hot and cold right um jamal murray especially he could be an x-factor yeah, it, it should be an issue. I like that matchup in that 2-7 in the West. The 3-6 is is really interesting. Game one is Sunday at 3.30 Eastern on ABC. The Blazers and Thunder, you, you talk about two teams with redemption on the brain in terms of trying to wipe away the, the funky smell of last season's playoff flameouts on both sides. You know, um, the Blazers getting swept by the Pelicans the way they did, the Thunder being upset by the Jazz. Who, which one of these two has the most to prove? And maybe it's equal. Maybe they're both carrying all that baggage from, from last year's playoffs into this series and, and throwing it out there and trying to sort out which one of these teams is going to have that playoff breakthrough they need and, and which one is still going to be stuck when this thing is over. Well, I mean, Portland's missing Nurkic, so it's it's hard to say that they have some – I mean – you could use that as a motivation tool and say, yeah, we have something to prove that we can, we could win without him. Um, at the same time, it's, it's a, I don't know, an excuse, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas the Thunder go in relatively healthy, obviously they never got Andre Roberson back, but they are healthy as they, as, as they were uh, over the course of the regular season. And so, I mean, I think uh, Oklahoma City should be the favorite just because they're healthy. They swept the regular season series. See, the only series other than Milwaukee, Detroit, 
where you have one team that won all four or all of the regular season matchups too, which is kind yeah. of strange for it. But all, all four games are pretty close in this yeah. one. One of them went to overtime. It's just fascinating to me that you have Denver, San Antonio, Portland, and Oklahoma City on one side of the bracket, and that one of those four teams is going to get to the conference finals. Uh, Denver having not won a playoff series in 10 years and with three is it three three starters basically with no playoff experience whatsoever right um san antonio like i said just being an awful road team and coming from the 7th seed with you know in order for them to get to the conference finals they'd have to win uh more road games in the first two rounds than they won against play- western conference playoff teams in all of the regular season portland with missing their second most important player uh in nurkic you rate him as their second most important ahead of mccollum Important, yes. Yeah. Not, yeah okay. I mean, if you want to say best player, I don't. No, I mean, no, I, I, that's, I think that's fine. Important. Yeah, yeah. If, if yeah. you talk about both ends of the floor, mm-hmm. um, the balance that he gives them with some some scoring inside, yeah, I think he's the most. He's their second most important player. Okay. And then Oklahoma City, which is the one Western Conference team uh, that had a losing record after the All Star break. You know, it's it, one of those four teams, as flawed as they all may be. Um, is going to get to the conference finals, which is sort of fascinating to me, which is cool. Like it, it'll mean we'll have a different conference finals than we had last year. And I, I, I think that side of the bracket is fairly wide open. Like, like I said, given the, the flaws of all four, I don't know who your pick would be. That's tough. Um, the Nuggets obviously should be the team. If you think about it, theoretically, you know, they were the ones that showed us, you know, over the course of the regular season that they were most suited to be, you know, in that position. But there's something about the Thunder as, as a wild card that, I don't know. They they feel uh, like the they, safest pick just because of their talent and their defense, you know, like they, they – I don't uh, know. You know. Obviously, had a top five defense. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I trust – if I if I trust what the Thunder bring to the table beyond Russ and Paul George. I need to see their supporting cast perform – to a level that I could say, all right, I could see this team getting to the conference finals and putting up a fight. There are no guarantees, obviously, in the playoffs. But the closest thing we have to it is the Warriors being, a, you know, as, as close to a lock as you could be to getting to the to conference finals of anybody in the league. And and that's with what to me is is the, the most delightful and fascinating development that happened on the last night of the season. And that's the four or five being the Rockets and Jazz game one of that series is Sunday at 9.30 Eastern on TNT. They're going to decide who deals with the Warriors in the conference in my final shoe. And if it's the Rockets, this comes well ahead of what they expected in terms of they were eyeing the two seed, you know, when they, when they finished their regular season Tuesday night in Oklahoma City with a loss on a Paul George three-pointer basically in the waning seconds. Now they're going to have to potentially see the Warriors if that's what transpires in this series against the Jazz in in the second round. That's much sooner, I'm sure, than, than a lot of us imagine we'd get a chance to see that potential rematch from last year's conference finals. But I don't know if it's better or worse if you're the Rockets to catch the Warriors earlier rather than later. It might be better, you know, in that uh, there's a better chance that James Harden is is or James Harden will be maybe a little bit fresher earlier in the playoffs. Chris Paul, maybe there's a better chance that Chris Paul is healthy early in the playoffs <laughs> rather than late in the playoffs. 
Right. I mean, that's, I mean, that's not trying to take a shot at him, but no, you're right. It's just, just you know, yeah. it's just history. Um, but I wouldn't look past the jazz if I'm Houston, um, right. You know, the jazz are the Western conference team, the only Western conference team that held Houston, uh, Houston's offense, which ranks second overall under a point per possession in the regular season. Mm-hmm. Um, Houston's offense was rather anemic in their first three meetings. It had a, a much better game in their final meeting. You know, their three-point shooting was, was other than James Harden, was uh, pretty terrible uh, against Utah. And then, obviously, uh, Rudy Gobert is, you know, the rim protector. And um, there will be lots of meetings uh, between Harden attacking the basket and Gobert yes. waiting there. Um, I'll be curious to see if Houston plays some sort of small ball with, with P.J. Tucker at the five. To say to try to draw Gobert away from the basket. I'll also be curious to see if Utah goes more to their Jay Crowder at the four lineup, um, so that he can come in there and maybe even guard Harden at times. Did you see some like a the after the Jazz Clippers game on Wednesday night? Mm-hmm. They showed video of oh Patrick, Patrick Beverly, Beverly giving that, yeah. and, and and Jay, Jay Crowder, Crowder with yeah. Beverly great. seemingly giving Crowder tips on how to defend James Harden. I thought that was fascinating, uh, and so I think you know is Crowder now the primary defender on Harden because he's not even a starter in Utah, you know, full time. So will will Utah even uh, you know start their Crowder lineup rather than their favors lineup? Will I would be- suggest Pat Beverly focus his attentions on guarding Stephen Curry. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, hey, he's got he's multitasking. Good for him. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I, that was that was that was fun. Um, so yeah, there's lots of a little, lots of intrigue in this series. Obviously, uh, Donovan Mitchell in his second postseason will be a, a focal point, um, and we'll see who gets that matchup for Houston. You know, I, they didn't have anybody that was well suited for it last year. He he ate him alive until he got hurt in that series last year. He was. To me, he was the most outstanding player in that series until Chris Paul took over and he got hurt and, and kind of changed the whole uh, direction that thing was going. It was it was very it had the it had the Houston fans nervous the yeah. way Donovan Mitchell played against them last year in that playoff series. The thing is with Houston is because they switch everything basically is that you can seek matchups, right? So like if you want uh, Harden guarding Mitchell. Well, then you just have Harden's man set a screen uh, for Mitchell. Get that right. switch, and that's you know that's where you attack. I don't think I don't think Utah will, will likes to ISO very much as much as uh, Houston will will draw you into ISO ball with with all their switching. So that's the challenge I think for Utah is to keep the ball moving uh, yeah. and keep the players moving against that you know switch everything defense. Should be interesting. The West, to me, very compelling series shoe outside of that 1-8, which will be interesting because it's Clippers-Warriors and the history those two franchises have. And you know Doc Rivers will have his team ready to play and compete. Not sure I see the same level of competition in the East, which is strange to say for all these years when the East was considered, and, and is still by most people considered the weaker of the two conferences, but I have a hard time seeing the Bucks sweating the Pistons in the 1-8 matchup, game one Sunday at 7 Eastern on TNT with Blake Griffin in in bubble wrap. I mean, yeah. if Blake's not ready to play his best basketball, his healthiest basketball of the season, do the Pistons have a chance to scratch in this series? No. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think it's this is the – 
best chance for a sweep we've got, um, mm-hmm. especially, especially considering Griffin's injury. It stinks. You know, he had an awesome season. All NBA season to me, yes. Yeah, he is the primary reason they are in the playoffs, even though they, you know, they they basically got two wins without him down the stretch to to claw themselves into the eighth seed. Yeah, it stinks. And then, you know, so, you know, they're depending now on, you know, Andre Drummond on the glass, uh, although the Bucks are a very good defensive rebounding team. They're depending on Reggie Jackson and they're depending on their reserve guards to get hot, you know, Langston, Langston Galloway's and uh, Luke Kennard's of the world. It's tough uh, against a Milwaukee team, even without Malcolm Brogdon, that is just fantastic on both ends of the floor. No team protects the rim better defensively. And obviously the, the three-point attack around the uh, drives and attacks of, of Giannis Antetokounmpo is tough to defend. The one thing is, you know, Detroit is good at taking away threes. You know, they're a team that, is near the top of the league in in preventing three-point attempts. I just don't think they have what it takes to, you know, maybe there's one or two games that are close. I just don't think, uh, I think this is your best bet uh, at a sweep. I I agree. I don't know what the the Pistons do to combat the Giannis factor in this series. Um, Very difficult matchup for them individually. And if Giannis is cooking, you know, everything else opens up for the Bucks in terms of, spreading the floor with those shooters. And and I think the guy who could really be the critical difference in the series is Lopez. I think Brooke Lopez being able to stretch the floor and in, in causing matchup nightmares for Andre Drummond yep. is what ultimately could, you know, could spell doom for the Pistons in the series. The 2-7 shoe, the Raptors and Magic, game one, Saturday at 5 o'clock Eastern on ESPN. This might be my favorite. I call this the... Uh, Terrence Ross revenge tour, um, <laughs> which, you know, may only be a moment, could be a game, potentially more than that. He's been playing fantastic for a Magic team that was 11-2 and two over their final 13 games to really, to me, come out of nowhere and, and get into the playoffs. I wasn't even thinking about them as a playoff team just before All-Star Weekend when they really took advantage of teams maybe looking ahead and put themselves in a great position. Is there an opportunity you think for them to scratch in this series and make some noise, or are they just glad to finally have gotten back in after all these years in the aftermath of Dwight Howard being in Orlando, and now they've finally kind of gotten that off their, off their ledger. It's interesting. Uh, history tells us that like um, playoff results, like, late season momentum doesn't mean anything in regard to playoff results (laughs) that like you are who you are over the 82 games and not who you are, you know, since the all-star break or whatever, you know, however you want to break it down. This will be the series that sort of tests that Orlando had the number one defense since February 1st. Mm -hmm. um, And I think the East second best record since February 1st. Right. Um, You mentioned it last week, you know, at the trade deadline, there were still five games out of the, out of a playoff spot in the loss column and decided not to sell off Terrence Ross or Vucevic and it paid off, you know, and they ended the the East longest playoff drought. I think Toronto is just too good. They've done apps, you know, credit to them for go, getting through this season and still having the second best record in the league, despite resting Kawhi Leonard, all those games, despite I think it was 16 missed games from, from Kyle Lowry. Uh, or 17, maybe. I think he missed the last game. But it's amazing. Um, with Leonard and Lowry both missing 16 or 17 games or more, they had 
one or the other in all 82 of their games, which is um, kind of amazing. Like they never were missing both of them, <laughs> which is kind of amazing. But still, like the fact that they got through that season with the second best record, with those guys missing all those games, that tells you how good this team could really be. And I don't think we've seen like peak Raptors for more than a game at a time. You know, you know, I don't think we ever saw like just how good this team could be over an extended amount. So I'm, this might be the most, you know, other than Philadelphia, I think this is the more most intriguing team going into the postseason just because we don't necessarily know what they have. Um, Marcus Gasol, turns out he was a very good uh, big upgrade. They improved quite a bit defensively after that acquisition. Um, and the Bob ball moved. Some nice, some nice moments as well, I think. Yeah. And and the other thing with Gasol did, he increased the ball movement. You look at their like assist rate after the Gasol trade versus before, it's dramatically, it dramatically increased. And so that makes him just a little bit tougher to defend. It's not as much uh, Kawhi Leonard iso ball as it was prior. And so, you know, I don't know if there's a matchup that Toronto really needs to fear. You know, uh, Ross can obviously get hot, but Toronto has three or four defenders that they can throw at him. Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, Siakam, uh, Ananobi. Like, well, I'm looking for a huge thing. I'm, I mean, this is a, hopefully a coming out party, a continued coming out party for Siakam as well, I think. I'd love to see how he matches up in the postseason um, and whether or not he can translate what he did. Like you said, you are what you've been all 82 games. So it's not like, you know, it'll be something different than what he's done all season. But I just want to make sure what we saw from him is legit and that it translates to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I still think this could be a sweep. Really? Okay. Yeah. Although, you know, Ross, you know, Terrence Ross could get hot and, and win the, win the, uh, the magic a game. Uh, at home, perhaps, but I like. So I, I saw them late in the season. That Toronto is really good, <laughs> and I, I, it and they are maybe a sleeping giant. You know, maybe we've overlooked them a little bit over right. the course of the season. Um, they are really, really good, and you know, I can't wait till the next round of the East. Um, I'm, I'm excited a little bit about a couple of these matchups, but Potential. yeah, like you said, like you said, we're maybe just biding time to get to these Eastern Conference semifinals. Yeah, and that and that's I'm sure what. People in Philadelphia are thinking they got the 3-6 matchup, the Sixers and the Nets game one Saturday at 2.30 Eastern on ESPN. But the process, shoe is is always always lingering, always an issue. Joel Embiid may or may not miss the opener because of that ailing knee of his. There was a little bit of weird back and forth between Elton Brand in the media and then Brett Brown in the media in regards – to whether or not Joel Embiid will be available for game one. Are you concerned at all that Embiid is out and maybe that puts Philly in a precarious position against a Nets team that is not only excited to be in the postseason, but eager to show that they're ready for something bigger than just an appearance in the playoffs? I mean, Embiid is everything. I'll just say that. Like, in fact, in the regular season series, in 58 minutes with Embiid off the floor, the Nets outscored the Sixers by 40 points. Wow. <laughs> that's a fun one, right? Like, that's a, that's wow. a, oh, okay. Um, right. And Brooklyn, they split the season series. Um, Brooklyn was the offense that scored, the Eastern Conference offense that scored most efficiently against the Sixers in the regular season. But Philly was 2-0 and with Jimmy Butler and, 0-2 without Jimmy Butler against the Nets. You know, the first game was played before the trade. He missed the third game that they played. Um, only the fourth one 
The fourth meeting was the only one that Philly had their uh, five-star lineup, uh, the you know Simmons, Redick, uh, Butler, Harris, and Bead lineup, and the Sixers won that one pretty comfortably. Well, and let's and let's be very clear. Philly is operating with a completely different set of pressures on them. Oh yeah, in this I postseason than maybe any other team, given what they, they went did all in starting five. Yeah, they went all in, and it's fascinating. And I said this last. It's fascinating because that group has played ten games together. Exactly eight two, ten. Right? Eight and two in yes. the ten games they played. Yeah, eight and two. Um, and and like okay, so. So just the fact that Embiid is – that there was no definite answer about Embiid on Wednesday night with the playoffs three three days away right, um, is a concern. Like, just the fact that there's some sort of doubt, you know, and maybe he plays, but maybe he plays and he's not 100%, and maybe that doesn't matter in the first round. But if mm-hmm. he's playing through pain, is he going to get any better? And it, how much, you know, and then well, one, and what does it do get, long yeah, term? Yeah, yeah if they get through the first round, then what does that yeah. mean for uh, a, a possible matchup with Toronto? So uh, I, I do find this matchup interesting. Like I said, uh, Brooklyn scored pretty efficiently against Philadelphia. They they were the team that scored the most points off of drives against the Sixers this season. So the Sixers had issues containing uh, Brooklyn's guards and their attacks. And so, but Embiid is, I mean, if Embiid's healthy, he's, just the Brooklyn cannot match up with him. Uh, right. I was at that final regular season game between these two teams. He destroyed Jared Allen. Yeah. Ed Davis came in. He destroyed Ed Davis midway through the second quarter. The Nets got desperate and brought in Rondé Hollis Jefferson, all six foot seven inches of him, <laughs> to play center and and right. guard Embiid and maybe just switch, just try to change things up and make Embiid try to run around with, with Hollis Jefferson. It actually worked. The Nets, I think, were a plus. You know, Hollis Jefferson had a positive plus-minus in that game. But, like, that's how badly he he destroyed, you know, their regular centers. And I mean, so, they're playing with house money. Brooklyn, yeah. Brooklyn's got nothing to lose, so they should try – Kenny Atkinson should try any and everything <laughs> to muck this series up. Seriously, I mean – Yeah, yeah. You got, um, you got no reason to hold back. True. Um, if, if you're Brooklyn, you got no reason to hold back. Try anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it'll be a, a series where they shoot a lot of threes. Um, I'll be curious to see how much zone they play. They mm-hmm. did play some zone in that final regular season meeting and it got destroyed. Mike, Mike Scott hit a couple threes. JJ Reddick got wide, had a wide open three against the zone. Um, but I like other than Reddick, you know, the Sixers don't really have uh, zone busters. Like there's nobody else. Like it's not, they don't have Bellinelli from last year. They don't have Ily- Ilya so from yeah. last year. Yeah. Reddick is really their only sort of high-volume, high-efficiency three-point shooter. Um, so me, this might be the, the the series where we see the most zone defense, and, and obviously it would basically all come from from Brooklyn. Yeah. This was, this was kind of an, uh, my wild-card series in the East, too, because, if, like I said, if Embiid is a health risk issue for the Sixers, this series maybe goes a little bit longer than expected. Um, maybe not. And if he's healthy, like you said, there's no, there's no match for him. There's nobody that you can say on that Nets roster who will be able to do anything with him if he's rested and ready to go. He, you know, but the Sixers were eight and ten without him during the season shoe, yep. and and that would worry me if I'm Brett Brown. That you know, not having it be ready to go potentially becomes a huge issue for the Sixers in this series and moving forward if they're 
if they're fortunate enough to move on. The last series we're going to look at, of course, is the 4-5 in the East, the Celtics and Pacers. We've known about this one maybe as long as anything. Game one is Sunday at 1 o'clock Eastern on TNT. Big news in this series, Marcus Smart, Boston's tenacious guard, out indefinitely with a left oblique injury, is expected to miss at least the first two rounds, shoot. That would be concerning if it wasn't a Celtics team that made the conference finals last year without two of their main players, without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. Is this Does this affect the Celtics at all in this series? Or is this just a matter of their quality of depth taking over in them handling business against a Pacers team that they've handled in, in their matchups this season? I think it's a concern. For sure. And I think it, it, it does have an effect. I mean, there's no matching Smart's intensity and his energy, his sort of toughness defensively. I imagine Jalen Brown will replace him in the starting lineup. But fun fact, Marcus Smart was a better three-point shooter than Jalen Brown this season. You know, Smart was a much improved shooter this year. Um, and that just obviously made it easier for him to stay on the floor. You combine that with his all-defensive team Skills yep. on the other side, it makes him a critical piece, for, you know, for Boston, obviously. Yeah, uh, but uh, Indiana has has um, struggled down the stretch. Um, I mentioned before that Oklahoma City was the Western Conference playoff team with a losing record after the All-Star break, while Indiana was the Eastern Conference uh, team that had a losing record after the All-Star break. And if you really look at, you know, their record with, with Oladipo, since Oladipo's injury, they they lost their first few games after his season-ending injury, and then after February first, they were eleven and one against non-playoff teams, and then five and fourteen against playoff teams after February first. And their offense was not very good in those uh, nineteen games, and so and obviously that includes a couple late-season losses to the Celtics, and so I think Celtics should be able to get through this without Smart. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. it's a bigger factor going forward uh, in the second round, um, where they, you know, will probably face the Bucks. And then I'll be curious also just how um, if Boston keeps the Aaron Baines Horford starting lineup together, mm-hmm. um, just replacing uh, Smart with 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 Brown, and then keeping Horford and Baines together in the starting lineup, bringing Marcus Morris off the bench. Horford should be able to stick with Thaddeus Young, and you know. I think that that has been their best defensive look all year, um, actually going back the last couple of years. But they just sort of didn't play the Baines and Horford together until late in the season. And then it, right. it, it sort of sparked a little bit of a, a, a run late in the season. What's Indiana's best opportunity to shock Boston in this series in terms of early in the series, maybe making it more competitive than people imagine it's going to be? Is there something, someone that allows them to kind of Here's my here, my theory is that they need Corey Joseph was like one of the worst shooters after the All Star break, maybe the mm-hmm. worst shooter in the league after the All Star break. He is, but he is probably their best defender against Kyrie Irving. I think he's one of the best sort of small defenders in the league. He's not and not just on the ball. He's really good. Like if you watch him against the Sixers, he's really good at chasing Redick around too. And so. I'll be, you know, he's got to be able to give them some offense so that he can stay on the floor and then therefore, you know, guard Irving and be able to, you know, do a better job, I think, on Irving than Darren Collison would. So that's sort of like a little bit of an X factor for Indiana there. But obviously they like, 
they need to open things up a little bit. I think, you know, I've said this before, this is the third straight season where they ranked in the top 10 in three-point percentage, but in the bottom 10 in the percentage of their shots, they're threes. They need to be a little bit more willing to shoot from, from beyond the arc. I mentioned it about some other series, and I'll say it about this one as well. I want to see some coaches, and this includes Mike D'Antoni, Nate McMillan, Kenny Atkinson. All, it's the playoffs. You are allowed to take some risks now. <laughs> Make You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to see any, any team held back by convention in these playoffs. It's too wide open, you know, in my eyes, shoe. There's an opportunity here to do something crazy. Do it. Like, do now is the time to unleash whatever, you know, you've been holding back as a coach. You know, you want your players to get to the postseason, wipe the slate clean, start fresh, attack each individual matchup in a different way than maybe you did in the regular season. Same goes for the coaches. Don't hold anything back in the first round of these playoffs. And we just went through all of the series on both sides, but now you can also check NBA.com for your playoff preview content um, for each and every series in the playoffs in the Western and Eastern conferences. Also check, uh, I, you know, we have our sort of overview previews where each of us uh, did a couple series. Right. Um, also in the next couple of days, I'll be having sort of uh, my stats previews. So check the Twitter account. I'll, uh, I'll post those on there um, once they're up on the site as well. So no question. deep dive, it, uh, sort of dive deep into the numbers, um, tell you everything you want to know about each team, but also uh, the, the regular season matchups between each of these teams too. Great point. Playoffs are underway folks. They're here and, and we're going to be on the road covering games and then coming right back at you. Like we have all season long, every Monday and every Thursday throughout the postseason. Breaking hey, we're down. not, we're not ready to What's go away on? yet. No, no, I, I am I am definitely ready to go away because I know what you got. You probably got some trivia <laughs> that I have no chance of No, this shouldn't be too bad. This should be too bad. All right, I'll go ahead. I'll give you a Schumann stat for the playoffs here, but this this is under protest. All right, the first part, part one, should be fairly easy. All right. What, what player got. on a playoff team's roster has played the most regular season games without a postseason appearance, without – playing in a postseason game should be fairly Lou Williams no 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 wait a minute Say, give me the question one more time he, he's on a playoff team one of the 16 playoff teams okay he has played of of the players on the 16 playoff teams he has mm-hmm. played the most regular season games without having played in a playoff game ah okay all right I need my life he, 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 here's a hint he was on a playoff team last year, but did not play in the postseason because of an injury. Uh, a different team that he's on this year. Different team than one he's on right now. He has played 565 regular season games. You're killing me, Shu. He's I an all-star. Sleep he's a former all-star. Former all-star. Uh, 565 regular season games. Has never played in the play- playoffs, played in the playoffs because he was on a terrible team for most of his career. Mm-hmm. Was on a playoff team last year, but was injured prior to the postseason, so he didn't play in the playoffs. And now he's on a different playoff team this year, and he is healthy and will play his first playoff game. Uh, Eastern or Western Conference? Weekend. Western Conference. Western Conference. Who would that be? Man, I'm stumped here. I'm- oh, come on. This should be easy. Yeah, let me He's think. playing on his first playoff game will be Saturday. It's your second half. I'm looking. I'm thinking, let's see. Spurs 
or Warriors Clippers? Uh, <laughs> man, if this is if, if you're having a hard time with part one, we're gonna get it's gonna be tougher to get to That's part what two. I told you. I'm like, you're killing him. <laughs> All right, he is a former all star, like I said. Uh-huh. He is a starting center on a Western Conference playoff team that plays Saturday. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, what is the point of this shoe? Why are you torturing me with this? <laughs> it's not Nikola Jokic. Uh, it's not uh, Lamarcus Aldridge, <laughs> and it is not uh, who's the uh, the young uh, Clippers center uh, Zubats, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not him. So he's who's the other starting? So center? the Warriors starting center, whoever that might be for this <laughs> game one. That's who you're talking about, and why would that even matter? He's he's playing with the Warriors. He's going to have a chance to do whatever he wants in the playoffs this year. <laughs> So the answer is DeMarcus Cousins has played 565 regular season games without a right. uh, a towards uh, Achilles last year in New Orleans, so didn't right. get a chance to participate. Correct in in the Pelicans, but technically Omri Caspi is the active player with the most regular season games and no appearances in the playoffs. Although Caspi was waived by the Grizzlies like in February, I believe, so mm-hmm. uh, he's not necessarily on a roster. All right. So, what's the second part of this? In, second in part of the question is: there are six other players on playoff rosters mm-hmm. who have played at least three hundred regular season games without a playoff appearance. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll start number two on after Cousins. Cousins five hundred and sixty-five. Right. Uh, the second one is on the Indiana Pacers, a backup. Um, who may or may not necessarily play in their mm. – probably doesn't play in their regular rotation. Okay. Um, but did get some playing time on Wednesday before he got ejected. <laughs> before he got ejected? With... Yeah, you didn't watch you – watch, you were in the studio on Wednesday. We were watching got... 11 games. There was a lot, right. a lot of action going on. Um, Third-string center for the Kyle, Indiana Pacers. I mean, I, I remember Kyle, Kyle Quinn, Colcock, and, uh, you know, Trey Young, so I know he got ejected, yes. but – I forgot That's he's been answer. playing on crappy teams. So yes, the, the Mag- he played yeah. on the Magic and the Knicks, right? Uh, and now the Pacers. He will make his all right. So Kyle Quinn is also on his the first list. playoff appearance after 443 regular season games. Number three, Orlando Magic, mm-hmm. most 341 regular season games without a. He's a all. He's a. It's got to be Vucevic. I mean, he's been there. No, for, no right? Vucevic played a postseason oh, game with Philly. the. Sixers That's right. in his rookie year, I think That's it was, right. um, before being yeah. traded in the big uh, Dwight Howard slash yeah. Andrew Bynum trade. This mm. guy is a all is has only played is only played with the Magic in his career, and he's one of their starters. Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon, correct. Yeah. All right, number four on the list: Detroit mm. Pistons backup guard played three hundred and thirty nine career games. Also, like Kyle Quinn, a former Nick. 339 career games. Regular Langston season Galloway. Langston Galloway, correct. Yeah. All right, the next two guys are on the Denver Nuggets. Both of course, two starters on the Den- Denver Nuggets that have played the most games um, without making uh, a playoff. Jokic. Jokic, 308. And which other starter, I guess? Jamal Murray? Nope. Yeah. Murray uh, is probably a little bit further down the list. Okay. Uh... I mean, I know how much experience Paul Millsap has had. He, yeah, well, Barton has played in the pl- playoffs with uh, right Portland. Um, so Gary Harris is the uh, Gary Harris. He's such a young guy, though. I wouldn't have think. 
Yeah, but he's been in there a little bit. He's actually played more regular season games than Jokic, 312 to 308. Wow. And the last one, backup center for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Nerlens Noel. Nerlens Noel, 300 yeah. career games without ever, ever played in the postseason. He should have So the only one with, in, on that list with any sort of doubt about whether he'll play is O'Quinn. Right. Um, and so the active – so the list of players that will continue – Caspi, like I mentioned, if he gets back in the league, he, he he's played 588 regular season games without playing in the playoffs. Although he was on a playoff roster that just and and never played. Um, next is Brandon Knight, 421. Uh, he of the Cleveland Cavaliers. Then Alex Lynn, uh, 412. Lance Thomas, 392, still toiling with those Knicks. Mm-hmm. Um, ben McLemore, who was waived this season, and then Alfred Payton. Uh, Quincy Acey, who was also waived this season, but I, I still I assume he's still considered an active player. Then Stout, Nick Stauskas and Julius Randle. All those guys have played at least 300 regular season games without having played in the playoffs, and obviously their their streaks will continue. Right. Well, from the things you absolutely don't need to know, but John <laughs> Schumann will inform you anyway, department. Thank That's you. always one of my face. So, you know, you feel good. This is the guys you feel good for, like, right. You know, right. making your first playoff appearance after, after toiling on bad teams for, for six or seven years. You know? Yeah. Well, shout out to Boogie Cousins. Stay healthy. Enjoy the postseason for the technically playing in the postseason for the first time in his career. Good stuff as always, shoot. And uh, we'll get a chance to revisit a lot of these series, obviously after some games are played this weekend, make sure you lock in and join us here on the Hang Time Podcast, as I mentioned, throughout the postseason, every Monday, every Thursday, breaking down games, previewing games, talking about the news and, and all the other things that are going on around the league throughout the postseason. should be interesting this, this opening weekend. I'm, somebody's going to get shocked or get a jolt to the system. There, there's too many opportunities for crazy stuff to happen, and we'll be there to make sure we got it all taken care of so you can talk about it, read about it, and see it on all our platforms. Be sure to subscribe to Hang Time on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. All season long, we're here. Make sure you leave a review. For John Schumann in New Jersey and Parts Unknown in the coming weeks, this is Sacred Smith in Atlanta. We will see you right here next time on the Hang Time Podcast.